I'm Laurie, and welcome to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom, where we talk about all things sumo. <laughs> That's right. And today, we're talking about women. Why? Why women? talk about those women. beasts? <laughs> women aren't sumo wrestlers. Why talk about them? But oh, yes, they are. Women are in sumo. Women are talking about sumo. Women are commentating sumo. Women are leaders in sumo. Women are everywhere in sumo. Today, we've got a special interview with Eris Armstrong, the female heavyweight representative on the U.S. national sumo team and more. But first, <laughs> we heard from a listener, Annie Rose. I don't know if you remember Annie Rose. She was the one that wanted to get the bensuke for her husband's... Yeah, the hair wax. Yes, the hair wax. Yeah. Okay. So she wrote in and said that her bensuke arrived from Japan. But sadly, it's not the same smell as the wrestler's bensuke, though it was advertised as such. Huh. Well, wait, though. I mean, you know how perfumes can smell different on different people? You know, like maybe her husband just needed to be sweating it out in a doyo, and then maybe it would have smelled the same? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just happy. I'm thrilled that this woman will not be deterred from her mission. <laughs> She's still the on the search for that sumo smell. And her hubby now has long enough hair to really go into the hairdo. This, so, is, an, this is a very important thing for their relationship as well. Really, I feel like it's... <laughs> it really it's, is. And now it's become our mission as well. So listeners, we really need to help Annie Rose uh, get her hubby from man bun to sumo top knot we need to get her the right bent suke we know there's a perfume out there that's kind of similar but it doesn't hit the mark either yeah close isn't close enough is not good enough no. for us we need, we need the, the real bent real, suke like, somebody find out what ted Fuji puts in his hair that's that what we want brand we want that brand so if you can help us out with that or you know someone who can help us out with that email us contact us on social media Let's help out Annie Rose and her hot hubby. That's right. Okay, second, thank you so much to those of you who leave us nice reviews. It is so helpful. And thank helpful. you for those who don't leave us, like, mean, mean reviews. reviews. <laughs> we really appreciate We're that, too. We're very sensitive. We're very sensitive. <laughs> so here's a couple that came in recently. Okay, this one is from Tufelka. I think it's a five-star review, and it five says, stars. it says, kaboom, informative, laughing fits ahead. Leslie, wait a minute. Did you write that? No. Did you write a five-star review? No. <laughs> Does it read like I wrote it? It just says, Leslie. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but maybe we have another listener named Leslie. Maybe. Is it I-E or E-Y? It's yours, I-E. Well, uh, nice to meet you, other Leslie, with a sumo passion. That's right. Leslie's unite. And then here's another one that says, the hosts are really fun and enthusiastic about sumo. Really enthusiastic about their favorites. And sometimes I are. I know. I sometimes I have to tell you, I'm like, you're shouting. Like, calm down. Well, that's like, so true. I start to shout when I talk about Hakaho. I really do. And about many of these boys. Okay. Uh, they take their listeners on a fantastic journey. Learning about the history of sumo, the meaning of terms and rankings, techniques, and everything in between. They make sumo accessible for everyone, and it's a joy to listen to. 
And I gotta say, these kinds of reviews are keeping us going, y'all. Most of the time, we're just looking at each other. Yeah. Like, we haven't even Being showered like, yet. Does anybody listen? <laughs> we're we're like just shouting out into the void. Looking at sweaters hanging on the wall. So it's really... Day 9,476,000 of quarantine. It's just so nice to hear from you guys and to know that we are not alone. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Think about this. You guys are like my only new friends that I've made this year. <laughs> so true. I have made zero friends. Online, you've made a bunch. I've made a bunch. I don't know what I don't know what any of you look like, except your avatar, perhaps on Twitter. (laughs) We kind of know what you're into. Yeah, we know if you're the spider lady. Yeah, there's a lady who raises spiders that I'm completely fascinated with. Oh man, and there's all kinds of cool, cool things you guys do. Artists, people are musicians, knitters, knitters. I mean, we got it all. But I feel very close to you guys, even though I wouldn't be able to pick you out in a room. But you're my friends. <laughs> All right, news flash. The news is like a little bit skimpy, but I'll just kind of tell you what's interesting to me. Um, the joint practice that concluded, that was, I think, successful and fun. I enjoyed seeing Kakaru back at it and some of the other guys. I just, I don't know, I just enjoy watching them, all the big dogs together practice it's I just do too. kind of i'm more interested in just the guys watching than the actual guys wrestling i mean the guys, the guys wrestling, in the background yeah just being like that's what they do all day long I, it's just fun to be a fly on the wall so yeah. that was i think that's out of out of this whole just shit show of a year and pandemic and isolation that's been one weird neat thing is these like joint practices that yeah, we've and, been able to watch and i hope they keep it going i do too Okay, the Bonzuke is out. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. Because <laughs> lots of other people do everybody it better. Everybody else does such a good job, and it's like we would just be doing the same thing everybody else is doing. I, I don't have any strong opinions other than, oh, look who's new, and oh, look who's out. And <laughs> oh, a brother. Oh, neat. Sometimes I really do want to talk about the Bonzuke. But this time, for whatever reason, I don't. I'm kind of like, I'd rather listen to other people talk yeah. about it. Sometimes it brings back bad memories of like being Bad in, memories? Like, I've never been a sumo wrestler, but I have been in band. And whenever you got like announced which chair you were. This is bringing back bad band memories <laughs> no, just for like you? just like ranking systems like, oh, in general. fourth chair. I, yeah, I feel for these people that like got knocked down to like What Jerry did you o. play? trumpet and i was really good i was first chair i did everything you guys did because it was just easier i like plagiarized half of your science fair projects as well (laughs) uh refraction of light i got a very good grade on was not my idea no because whenever i mean i couldn't back up what i'd written pretty much i mean (laughs) we're like oh my big sister wrote this yeah like having like no idea those teachers were like funny i remember your older sister doing a project on refraction (laughs) of light they were so on to you oh man they were i was such a crappy student anyway in band i played the trumpet i was first chair and then i had braces at the time so i learned how to play with braces and then i got my braces off and then i went from first chair to like i was so far down that you couldn't play without your braces i could not play it was like a dolphin farting it was like awful whatever that sounds like yeah Um, i'm sure i know exactly what that sounds like yeah I'm sure they do. I'm sure they fart just like that. It's like, that's a dolphin fart. I wonder what they eat that gives them gas. I don't know. Bad seaweed. But anyway, my my band teacher told me, you know, I don't think the trumpet's for you anymore. 
um, let's switch you to tuba. And I was like, you played the tuba? no, I, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I quit band. And that's began like my career, like, I guess pretty well. I mean, it was a defining moment in my background because if I had stayed and played the tuba, no eighth grade girl wants to play the tuba. You know what I mean? You could have been a leader, mm, a well, leader in your band field. Yes. Now I see that. But back then it was extremely uncool. So I was like, screw this. I'm going to go do theater and in like choir and stuff. You were a cheerleader back then too. Yeah, you? you can't be a cheerleader and play, play the tuba, tuba. <laughs> no, you can't. and expect to be like nominated, like class favorite. You can't do that. I mean, now I would have. I would be so appreciated. In support of that. Though. I know now I would have loved myself if I did that. But I was just a kid doing what other kids did anyway. But you know what? That career shift way back in the eighth grade with that proposition of pay- playing the tuba defined my path. Anyway, so that's why the Bonzuke is like not my favorite. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Because somebody's saying to Tukashoryu, do you want to play the tuba? And he's like, oh man. Did you hear about Tukashoryu? This is like the, the Going fast... down in Jurio, yeah. Yeah, but like the fastest anyone has done it since winning a U show. Yeah, and that's depressing. I don't want to know those kinds of stats. I know, I don't either, but that's why it feels like that's how I feel about it sometimes. <laughs> it's like Matuba days. I'm more excited about brothers being in the top division together. I am too. And then everything else kind of shook out like we expected. There's some newbies, and we're going to talk about them coming up because it's going to yeah. be exciting to learn about those yeah. guys. But you know who is back? We won't see him in the top level, the obviously. The Yokozuna. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am yeah. excited about that. Yeah. I'm... I guess we are talking about it. <laughs> We are talking we about are. the Bonsuke. I guess we are. In a roundabout way. But Abby is back. He's at Makusha to 56. Now, it's going to take him probably, I mean, if he crushes it, about two tournaments to get back up. He'll get back there. He'll get back up there. But I'm sort of happy to see the badass back, you know? I mean, I hope he crushes it. I hope he redeems himself and we see him back in Makuchi soon. He will be. He'll be slapping around some young boys for a while, though. I know. I know. I feel really sorry for those kids that have to go up against him. I know, but... You know, or maybe they're excited. Yeah, they're like, maybe Ooh, yeah. this is what it's like to play with the big guys. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with Ted and Afuji, though. Those guys had to fight with Ted and Afuji. I know. And he did it pretty quick, too. Except that he was so bandaged up at the time. Abby's not. Abby's not fighting injury. He's just fighting a bad attitude. <laughs> so it's a different thing. <laughs> That's very true. Well, anyway, I'll be happy to see him back. Ted and Afuji had an interview this week and talking obviously about his possible ozeki promotion he basically said that he Ooh, i know he, i'm just gonna call this entire next basho Taran fuji watching gives me high blood pressure uh, see i'm not worried about it because i think he knows it's his time he's he basically said he's so looking forward to this tournament because he knows that this is it this is oh, when he's gonna go go for it but uh, just uh, if anybody is brand new to uh, sumo, he fell out of the Ozeki rank like in, two th- he, in two, 2017, and he had to start all over from scratch. But he has worked his way back up from like the lowest rank, and he's won a Yusho along the way. And if he gets nine wins this time, he will get promoted back up to Ozeki. So everybody wants this for him. It's tons of pressure. And of course, with the Yokozunas in there, that does not make things easy. But he only has to get nine. I know, but I'm still going to have a heart attack if he ever looks like he's going to lose. Yes. Because that's just the way it goes. It is. But he said, he said, people around me tend to compare kind of my career with the past, but 
it's the past and it's hard to think about it. I'm just going to do my best for what's ever in front of me and I'm just going to get results now. I think that that's what has to be done. He said, put your feet firmly on the ground and go up to the ring and do what he does. And um, I love him. I love him too. (laughs) I so want this for him. Me too. But that's kind of why I felt, I feel confident is that there's something about his experience and whatever he's been through that like, even if, even if he didn't, what an amazing comeback anyway to uh, you yes. show it's a it's amazing yes but every single time he comes up to that ring no matter who he is fighting i'm just gonna be like watching through my fingers like i watch horror movies well it'll be the first Ooh. week it'll be pretty exciting this first week oh my god all right oh we got a really cool correction from last week when i was talking about when i was talking about Centurio henry being the first american mainland wrestler to make it to makauchi and then somebody sent a really interesting wikipedia article about another wrestler and he was wrestling in the 1940s his name was harley ozaki harley ozaki was one of the first u.s mainland wrestlers to reach the top division but this is like a really fascinating story here because get this okay so he was born japanese american born in the u.s in 1920 in pierce colorado so he went on a visit to japan with like a relative and he saw sumo and he joined the dewanaomi stable at age 18 that was in 1938 he, wow. he made it to the Makauchi division for one tournament in 1944, but he was drafted into the Japanese Imperial Army immediately Whoa. after. So he, he wanted to fight for the U.S., but the JSA encouraged him to change his nationality to Japanese. He did serve in the Japanese Imperial Army. He never returned to sumo after. So he had only been in Makauchi one division before that had happened. But he then, after the war, spent time, instead of going back to sumo, obviously, he was an interpreter for the U.S. troops that were there. So I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting look into history I might have to dig up but he regained his American citizenship after the war though so he truly did want to like be an American but he stayed in huh. Japan and ran a hotel with his wife in Tokyo <laughs> so huh. it, it was it was interesting but those, those are like the little things you learn about and you're like what what and that's the fun stuff all right I think it's time for a little history mentioned Eris Armstrong and I just want to say she's been on our radar ever since the beginning. We had heard her name Mm -hmm. because we were researching women in sumo for one of our earlier podcast episodes and found footage. I I think we've probably found footage of this complete badass i think justin was justin the first was the first person, person to yeah. talk with us about and maybe Eris. that's how we saw some of the video of her and she was just fearless and showed a certain determination um that was just kind of unparalleled and she's been entering into sumo competitions and winning them with her eye on the prize the olympics I just wanted to talk a little bit about women in the Olympics and getting there. I think what you'll learn from the interview is that, like, that's pretty much her goal. That's where she's headed in her mind right now is getting the U.S. team up and ready and able to compete internationally with, hopefully, in the near future, women in the Olympics. So... 
the original Olympics, you know, the one that was like 3,000 years ago, was all male competitors. I think they were usually naked, right? Yes, they yeah, were. they were naked. They were full on Nike. Yes. Um, but women were forbidden to compete unless. Unless they were like a wealthy, uh, I don't know, like chariot owner, then they could have their chariot people race for them and they would be, they could win. Women, though, at the time, way back in ye old days, they were athletic. They were doing foot races. They were doing all kinds of things. They'd have the Hera games, but they were just like, you cannot be in the Olympics. That is for men only. Sound familiar? Sounds a little familiar. So they were forbidden. Now, the modern Olympic Games, though, started in 1896, and this was, again, all-male competition. But the next round of Olympic Games in 1900, 22 women out of 997 competitors took part in sailing, tennis, golf, croquet, and equestrian events. I'd like to see croquet make a comeback, personally. I would, too. Hey, you got to start somewhere. That's right. I'll start with croquet. We played a lot of croquet growing up. Yeah. And so every four years after that, they would kind of like add another sport that women could participate in. But it took till 2004, 2004, okay, for women to be able to wrestle in the Olympics. Wow. When they added freestyle weight classes of, I don't know the conversion, 48 kilograms, 55 kilograms. They had basically lightweight, heavyweight, featherweight, big weight. I don't know. How, you know the weight classes. Well, when was wrestling for men included? Well, I know we used to do it way back when, but it seems like it fell out of favor and wrestling wasn't part of the Olympics for a long time at all. I don't know. I didn't look into that. Okay. I did not look into men's wrestling because I was like, I don't care about men this week. <laughs> I only care about the women. <laughs> anyway, this is straight from Wikipedia, the source of all sources. Historically, female athletes have been treated, portrayed, and looked upon differently from their male counterparts. In the early days of the Olympic Games, many countries sent fewer female competitors because they would incur the cost of a chaperone, which was not necessary for the male athletes. Oh. <laughs> so while inequality was in participation has declined throughout history, women are still sometimes treated differently in the games themselves. For example, in 2012, Japan's women's soccer team, national soccer team, uh, they rode economy class on the airplane. Meanwhile, the men's traveled in business class. Well, we could talk for a long time about soccer, women's soccer versus men's soccer. We could. Or Ted Lasso, which is a great show. But when women kind of force their way in, change is soon to come. And I want to talk about a couple of women's firsts. That is terrifying. Yes, we're so we just force our way in. Yeah, and we, we just change. We just everything. stink up the joint with our ladiness, and just force our way in. But um, sometimes, I mean, you have to. Women have had to force their way into the room to be able to be equal. Now, Althea Gibson, have you have you heard? There was a really great documentary about Althea Gibson, tennis player. Yes, and she was a tennis legend who was the very first African American woman to win the US Open. It was called the US Championships, but you get it. It's the same thing. She won Wimbledon twice in 1956 and I think 57 in an era of American history where tennis clubs and competitions were for white people only. She slugged away in the amateur circuit making zero money, like no money, and finally, finally got noticed when she forced her way into these tournaments and won. She had allies, but it's like we would not have the Williams sisters without Althea Gibson. In the 1950s, she was a trailblazer and she would propel the sport further for for women like 
no one else with sheer unmatched athleticism, drive, and refusal to back down when the sport only wanted white people. Okay, so she was a first. Let's talk about, have you ever seen that picture? Um, well, Catherine Switzer in 1967 with the Boston Marathon. Oh, yeah, where all the men are trying to get her to stop. <laughs> yeah. And then there's other men that are keeping all of these detractors and angry people Yeah, I mean, women her. were forbidden to run due to long-distance running for such bunk reasons. As, as it was said, they just couldn't do it. Like, women just couldn't run the 26.2 miles. Or it would harm their reproductive organs. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Yet she knew. She knew she could run the whole marathon. She had been practicing. So she had a coach at her college. And he was coach, obviously, of the male team. And, uh, and I guess on her team, too. And she was like, I want to run it. And he's like, prove it to me. And so she proved it. She, like, ran her buns off proving it to him. She was like, okay, you got the stuff. So they entered it into the Boston Marathon as KB Switzer, which is what the name she normally goes as. And she uh, went she started the race. There were a lot of people around her who were like, all right, nice to see you here. That's awesome. But then she kept running. And then somewhere along the middle of it, that's when the uh, really angry mob of of uh, race managers, the people who were sponsoring it, got wind that there was an actual, you know, woman amongst the the herd of runners. And they tried to tackle her tackle her to the ground. And she said of the marathon, which she did finish, I knew if I quit, nobody would ever believe that women had the ability to run 26 plus miles. If I quit, everyone would say it was a publicity stunt. If I quit, it would set women's sports back way back instead of forward. So her persistence to run forced people to open their eyes about what women could do in the sport. And she was a trailblazer. She did that for other women who would go on to compete in the Olympics. So, in, so yeah, what? maybe we should call this episode Sumo Trailblazers. Yeah, yeah, because I think Eris is a, a sumo trailblazer. Yeah. And sumo, we have many women wrestling, and we have throughout the ages. I mean, still, it's officially forbidden for women to enter the professional doyo, but women are primed and ready to compete in amateur sumo and are crushing it in the national and international competitions. Women, especially from... Russia, Ukraine, and Japan have been competing on the international competition circuit with eyes on the prize of sumo being in the Olympics. And Eros wants to be the USA sumo team first, trailblazer. And I hope that we get to see that in the near future. Hope so, too. I believe she can fully do it. I, I And if not, I fully expect her to be leading the way for other women who will do it in the years to come. A little bit more about Eros before we hop into this interview. Eris wrestled in high school and college. She learned hand-to-hand -hand combat in the military and is the USA's, like I said before, heavyweight representative on the women's 2020 U.S. national sumo team. Boom! Eros is also helping to create the Women's Invitational National Sumo Tournament, the WINS Sumo Tournament, which will be held this upcoming weekend, March 6th, in Texas. I'm going to share about 15 minutes of our conversation here on the podcast, but I want you to know that there is much more on our YouTube channel. My favorite, absolute favorite things in sports is how 
there are those movers and shakers who leave a legacy. Like for me, boxing, Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, Serena Williams, tennis, and you just the will, sorry, Williams sisters, tennis, because both Thank of you. them were amazing. <laughs> and that is important because uh, me and my sister really looked up to them. Uh, we have so many personalities. And if, if you can get more people showing out there, and that's why I'm loud and I'm proud and I'm like, yes, I'm happy to be here. And yes, I'm here to win for, you know, the USA. Let's go. And doing all that is to draw attention so that I have more Texas athletes because I see so many bodies when I'm out there, like at the gym, I'll be lifting weights and be like, she would be good for security. I'm at H-E-B and I'm stopping random women. And I'm like, have you heard of sumo? And they're like, what? And it's, I know it's terrifying because I'm a rather large person coming up with a mask on like, let me talk to you about sumo real quick. And, like, and let me tell you why you would be perfect. Most women do not think of, you know, how powerful their legs are or how, you know, like they carry themselves a certain way. And I'm like, that is an athlete. Why is she not like, why has she not been scouted? I need to scout her. And some of them show up, like some of them send messages to Justin, because I always refer them to Dark Circle Sumo, or if they're saying, hey, we're from San Antonio, I'm like, good news, there's a club there. And if they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in Houston, and I'm like, good news, there's a club there. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, we're from Dallas. Hey, there's a club there. there. A club there <laughs> you know, you, you can't tell me anywhere in Texas that I can't direct you to a club, if not within one of the major cities, like. Texas is in it to win it. And there's so much, there's so much diversity here. We've got football players. We've got rugby players. We've got roller derby girls. We've got a judo. It's, it's all of this stuff, all this good, solid foundation, not to mention, I think Texas kind of has the largest numbers of veterans that I've seen. Oh. And not all of them are down and out of the fight. Like I've seen a lot of veterans find this, this peace with sumo wrestling. And I think a lot of veteran women, especially, could benefit from sumo wrestling. And I bring bringing it up in every group I go to, like, yeah, you guys should try it. And they said they will, or at least they'll come and they'll watch to support first, which is also a thing I've noticed that some women athletes like yeah. to do is when they're haven't been a part of too many combatives, but they they're just they want to try. They're gonna check it out first. They're gonna look and see, and then they're going to go do it after, which is perfectly fine. I'm counting on that. It's you know, first time out the gate. I'm just I'm so blessed. I have all the support from my sensei and I've got support from people like Helen. This is really helping me. And yeah, I get to meet you guys. So yeah. it's good. There is something to it. I call it soul combat because it's different. Um, there's, there's like a lot of women that don't want to do combative combatives. And I'm like, mm, but you're, you're built for it though. You've got the ability to endure pain. You've got this ability to bypass training. You can go further, in my opinion, than any man. Because of the way your body is designed, you can do this. You were meant for this. The lower center of gravity, the way you can hold your, like, come on, sis, like, you can do this. But there's that first hurdle of getting to something because they are saying, they're being told they're not wanted or they're not needed or this is not for women. Yet things like Little Miss Sumo and the women in the UK and all these other videos, I can now getting that and I can throw it out there and I can throw up my videos. So there are women who look like me are like, hey, uh, so uh, how'd you get into sumo? I was like, I'm a veteran. I started uh, doing powerlifting and I was doing combatives beforehand. And I will say that sumo wrestling has this, this feeling 
when you step into the ring, everything else fades away, whether it's by the time you clap your hands and the sound echoes out, or whether it's the time where you, how, how can I put this? You, you look at your opponent or you're in that zone and then you're putting your hands on the line and it, the call just goes out and you just surge forth and that is what you're doing. You are literally emptying your mind and going forth. There, there is a difference between stepping into an octagon and like putting in your mouth guard and you're just getting amped up, ready to go. And some, some fighters I've seen them be calm, but in sumo wrestling, it's methodical. The grouping, the training I do, the hell I put my body through just to get good at this. And then no matter how much you prepare, if you can't center yourself, and get ready for that moment. And everything you've worked hard for and everything you're rushing towards is being decided within that ring. I have horrible migraines when I travel because of stress and I've got a bazillion of other things wrong with me. That all fades away as soon as I step into the ring, as soon as I've done my clap, I am ready. And I'll like take my moment to hunt the good stuff and find what I'm gonna do and just go. And then I the match starts the call has been sounded hockey and I am at it and if you were really in your center if somebody else starts the line early you're not thrown off because you are already where you need to be and that's just it makes me happy I'm very happy to have found the sumo community here I'm so happy it's growing I'm so happy to be a part of having helping it grow and all and I know there have been some sumo wrestlers out there getting discouraged and I just want to say to you all you can do this. It is, it is nothing but a thing. There is nothing to do but to do it and get through it because we're going to be great. That's, that's all I'm saying. The only way for me to complete this is that I have a team, is that I actually, as a veteran, there, I have PTSD and I have agoraphobia. I don't know if you all know what that is. It means it's a fear of outside. My anxiety is so high that outside is, to me, danger so I always travel with an assistant uh, someone who like schedules my flights make sure you know I'm showing up on time all my meals are pre-cooked Sunday and everything's ready to go luckily chonkonabe it's not that hard to make and it's delicious so you can keep eating it um, I have trainers that are paid for and it's just just to have someone else like oversee making sure that I'm minimizing injuries and just increasing the areas where I am weak at. And I realize that is important to do because I'm investing in myself as if sumo wrestling for me is a job. And as a veteran, I don't have to work. I do choose to. And that's, this is a benefit for me. And having a team that believes in me means a lot. If I do well, if I and my team and cultivate enough strong women to just go overseas and as Americans, as Americans, we start taking those gold medals. There's going to be more American sponsors who are going to look over and be like, hey, why isn't this an, why isn't this Olympic sport? Yes. Like, we should make this an Olympic sport. We should push harder to make this an Olympic sport. And I want to be a part of that team that helps make the change. I want, if I can't be a part of it, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to leave it better than I found it. But I have been to two Olympic training centers and I've seen what those athletes do. I've seen the caliber. I've looked at the Russian team. I've looked at the other teams that are still practicing, still training and they're state funded. And I'm like, all right, I'm, 
I am humble enough to know that I have to do the training. I have to dedicate myself to it. And I would love to go to Japan and train. But right now, I'm here in Texas and I'm training with some of the best people I could possibly be training with. And I have sort of, I will keep the names private, but I have contacted some very good sumo wrestlers and asked them to come to me to stay at my home if they will train with me for a couple of weeks or a month. Awesome. Because I'm that serious. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so like, what, what does your training regimen look like? Are you weightlifting? So, are you only doing yes. sumo? What are you doing? I, so that's the thing. If I get exposed or if I happen to be near where I think I will be at risk for COVID, I do not see my team for two weeks, but I do train with a trainer every about four days out of the week, every morning around 5 a.m. or so. And then I'm able to like catch those videos from like Russia and Poland and just I'm able to look at what people are doing in different nations because they're still going and I see their matches and I'm like, I could, you know, one more set, one more set, just keep going. Nice. And that's, that's what I do. An endurance combat athlete, which I think is the hard, hardest thing you could ever do is endurance combat training, just to be as explosive as you are for the match, because you're training hard. It's not like when I did wrestling, it was different because there was a lot of injuries that were happening. Mentally, you could make it, you could hack it. Physically, you'd be broken down. Sumo wrestling, yes, mentally, physically. You are broken down almost every practice. If your sensei is on you and doing it right, you are crying or vomiting or doing plop, but you're still there. You're like, I've got this. And if you're not, it's a probably a very safe instructional day, but it's still a lot of effort. And as a woman, I appreciate the benefits, the perks. Oh yeah, I've noticed my legs changing. I tell all the women, I'm like, so if, if soul combat doesn't appeal to you, how about the best darn leg day you've ever had? There <laughs> like, you go. I promise you. Cycling class, psst, that's enough. Can't, cannot compare. I want to be able to keep going with that endurance combat the way that should I end up in a event where for some reason it's like a round robin or there's just like several, several, several matches. I will not misrepresent not only my stable, I will not misrepresent my state, which is the great state of Texas, and I will not misrepresent the United States of America. This is everything I'm doing is just to be the best American athlete. And I think that's what everyone should be focusing on is not what we're doing. Like, yes, there are several women that are around me, but if they're American, I'm not really considering them an adversary. They're merely someone to help me become better or me to help them become better. The goal is to go overseas. And that is something that I know a lot of the individuals that made the U.S. team the first time around, we're all very hungry to get our spot back. We're all at that point where we're like, yeah, that's fine. If we have to win nationals twice just to go to Worlds once, we'll do that. But that also means that we have a lot of Americans who are also like, hey, that means uh, national spot, that that, uh, world team spot's up for grabs. I'm like, oh, it is. I'll be there to defend it though, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So that's, this is why I'm so happy to have the women's tournament because it gives women more opportunity to get this, this kind of knock off those inexperienced cobwebs uh, or dust off those cobwebs from no use. Cause I understand there are some people that are telling me they can't train their, their gyms are closed. They're yeah. not finding places. Weird I know some time. sumo wrestlers are currently working on a uh, a beach, like they're doing beach workouts, which I approve of. There are some I've seen them doing videos where they're like doing bunny hops up and down their stairs. I'm like, 
whatever you got to do to make it happen. And in those moments when you can train, that's what happens. Nothing but the warrior spirit. Like that's the thing that kind of inspires me is, and I love about the sumo culture is there's all this warrior spirit that's just right there. As a woman, I love sumo. I'm a huge fan of it. And I want to get more women in the sport. So I thought, you know what? When I was wrestling, one of the biggest game changers for me was meeting other women who also love the sport. But when you'd show up, you kind of see each other around like other men and you're like waving hands or, you know, doing that. And then maybe you'll fight or maybe not. But if it's an event that's dedicated to just women, like that has got to be the most confidence boosting, skill set enhancing, also getting to see what's out there, the different body types moving around and and doing what they do. That's that's what I'm hoping that this first wins tournament will bring me. Mm-hmm. I am noticing that there are more women that uh, the, while there are some outliers, they're like, hey, you know, want to be the best and they'll drag anyone down. There are those those women that just want other women to succeed and they want them to join this sport because they found something good and they want to share it with others. So like yeah. myself, they're like, here, catch this fire. Like, let me pass it off to you. You know, everything that's happened in 2020, not going to stop us. The 2021 is just another part of opportunity. That's all that is. The Invitational, so there's a Friday is going to be the start, and the 6th is going to actually be the tournament. March 5th is the meet and greet as well as the training camp for women. If you've never had any experience, I highly encourage anyone to come out. If you just want to come and look and you're like, I don't know yet, that is still a good time to do so. That That is one that is not free, but the one that is free to come witness is on the 6th. Just bring a a can-do attitude that is geared towards supporting women as they either try sumo out for the first time or they are practicing and just dusting off those cobwebs. It is it is a thing that I want to see grow in Austin, especially. I yeah. mean, the state of Texas has already embraced sumo. I think these next couple of uh, tournaments, these international tournaments, are going to start noticing a huge thing. There's going to be more Americans there. Or Texans, most likely, but more Americans. Yeah. It is an outdoor venue. It is free for those who want to come and observe. We ask that you just be there to support women and cheer them on and encourage them because some of them will be learning new moves. Others will be traveling um, to come in. We have some girls coming supposedly from Florida, some from Cali, and it's just anyone who's signed up. There's always those people that like myself like to sign in near the last one because nobody knew who I was when I came out. They're like, who's that? I'm hoping I'm hoping go. there's some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's there like, will be. So you will walk away with not only a new skill set, not only fellowship with wonderful women, you'll walk away. I think the best thing to say is a new sense of confidence, a new kind of understanding that you can use everything. I do my little sumo mental drills. Like when I'm in traffic, I do my sumo mental drills. When I'm in the line at HEB, I do these little things everywhere from where I walk, be it across ice or in the heat, I am carrying sumo with me. And the lessons that you can learn at these camps, the lessons you can learn from the experience that you gain, the things you discover about yourself are priceless. And I feel like it's hard to say into words, but those are the basic words I can throw at it is that what you experience is going to be with you forever. Uh, so for the WINS tournament, Dark Circle Sumo, so www.darkcirclesumo, all one word, .com, is where you're going to find that information. 
on our YouTube channel, you can actually see Eros. You can take in her amazing energy and listen to more of our conversation. She talks more about the kinds of messages she receives from people on social media when they see that she is a sumo wrestler. She talks about how she trains by pushing and pulling around 700 pounds. Try that at home. Um, and she talks about sumo thirst, which is the hunger that we all have for sumo wrestling. And uh, we want to see more of it. So go to our YouTube channel. We have a 31 minute version of this interview. So twice as much information there. So you can watch her in action. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Eris, there's a really long interview with her on Eddie Goldman's podcast, No, no Holds, Holds Barred. Barred. Yep. So I'll put the link to that in our show notes as well. There's lots of great ways to get to know our American competitors, the people who are competing on our U.S. sumo national team. Uh, and it would be great to build more support for these guys and gals who are doing it not because they're getting paid professional wages, but they're doing it because they love it and they want to represent the United States on an international stage someday whenever we can have these competitions again. Yes. You know, I really enjoyed sitting down and talking to her. And I wanted to say, like, what what really stuck out to me about Eros is obviously her continued determination, but she she really wants to help people. And I think that comes from her military service. Like she said she wanted to, she like sumo helps her with her PTSD. And um, that is beautiful to me, whatever people can do to find like a therapy that helps them. But like the same sort of like group atmosphere and, and troop atmosphere, honestly, like that she finds in the doyo gives her comfort. And she has all the people that she you know, practices with are like her family. During our recent Texas disaster with everybody having no power, she actually, because she's uber prepared, had the ability to keep her whole house lit and with power and with water. And she took in like four people and their families, like all veterans, I think. And so she has just this this incredible ability to take care of others, to lead others and protect others and take care of them. And um, I, I thought that was a really beautiful thing about her specifically. And and also that sumo helps her deal with the trauma in her past and gives her calm and comfort in that way. So I would like to see more people if they find, you know, a need to, um, you know, heal themselves uh, from whatever past trauma they may have, find themselves in some sort of sport or some sort of community that that helps them day to day. And I think that sumo for Eros is, is that perfect salve. If we have any women in the Texas area, or if you know anybody that's like a wrestler, uh, that you think could cross over into sumo, like send them Eros's way or just watch or just kind of peek into it and look into it and see if it's something you might want to do. Cause we want to bring this visibility to other women across the U S so that, um, they can find the sport and then they can find their people. So our next Basho is coming up pretty soon. We'll have more about bingo. That's our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom. Please tune in again for more info on the sport we love. Until later, I'm Laurie. And I'm Leslie. Thanks for listening. Bye. See y'all later. Most guys who are worth their salt in sumo 
will be supportive of you competing. They will try to make you better. And they're not doing it in a creepy way. They're doing it because they really want you to be better. They want you to get those gold medals. 